salutations, and welcome to the Trash Turtle Fantasy Podcast. Now, whether you've tuned in from Spotify, iTunes, maybe a tin can on a string, or maybe that guy on the bus seat across from you is broadcasting us over his speakerphone, I just want to thank you today for tuning in. So, uh, thanks. For tuning in. Have I ever told you guys I hate the flex spot before? I think you've mentioned it, yeah. Why do you hate the flex spot? I I think that it gives fantasy managers too much flexibility, which ironically is in the name. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, kind of the point, isn't it? I I hate I hate the idea that it allows managers to not have to make tough decisions. Yeah, but if it was up to you, you'd just have six wide receiver slots and maybe a quarterback slot. Well, yeah, that's what I do. That's the idea. That's why I like the flex spot, because it's easy. Um, I don't like it because I think that it is like fantasy on easy mode. So wait a minute. So you're telling me that if you had no flex spots, you would actually take running backs? Yes. The the flex spot allows me to take a positional advantage. Um, but if I'm in a two running back, two wide receiver league, or maybe even a three running back, three wide receiver league, I'd still value wide receivers more, but like that would force me into valuing running backs a little closer than what consensus values them. Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's where we're going to make a rule change for next year. I think it's how we're going to get you out of champs. <laughs> <laughs> who, who could we who could we talk to about changing server league rules is there someone you know i, I think there's there's a guy that i know um he might even be on the podcast with us now chris it, you want to say hello we've made it four weeks without invoking that silly rule can we just make it through one season without it <laughs> we're getting there I... what you don't like chaos <sighs> only when it's ties in the median <laughs> yes oh my well, you, you should have seen, I mean, Chris has never been so giddy than when he got to see how Sleeper is going to record a tie. Have you seen it yet? It's, with, you haven't looked? With a median? I haven't looked yet either. It's wonderful. I'm, afra- I'm afraid to look. I, I was call- To be clear, I was calling this on Sunday. I was like, hey, this may happen. I'm really excited about this. And it took like, oh, it took a chain of events of basically... Peyton Barber scoring exactly zero points and Herbert scoring like 19 or 20, which is that that's kind of expected, but Barber at 0.0 was, was the stretch and goodness, that's not how you want to see zero zero. But as soon as you get that notification, you're like, all right, ties in play chaos. Bring me the Elmo fire gift. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) So Chris, uh, you, you sort of, uh, introduced an interesting thing actually today. Now you did it because I sort of forced your hand because I was bringing up predictions in the Discord again and you were like, oh no, we need to stop talking about this. Everyone look over here. Let's look at this. Um, you you introduced sort of a server league. Uh, yeah, league so league, we, right? we're slowly but surely developing some tools around these leagues which have been going on. This is year five now of these leagues and so um one of the things that's really tough is that sleeper leagues tend to be private and it's tough to get the information in but the great part is sleeper apis are public for all the leagues and so we're taking all that data putting in a website um and we're using it so we can shame people that aren't playing against us it's great <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have to do screenshots i think or, or google sheets takeaway, or, <laughs> or yeah or can it, i say Oh, go ahead. And yeah, it takes all the manual labor out of really mostly Chris and I guess a little bit Swan. Well, can I say uh, that I was pretty annoyed by Sleeper, so I had to work around to view private leagues. Any league that wasn't like public or anything like that, I had to work around using Sleeper's website to view those leagues. And Chris was talking to me about a potential trade, and it got patched. It no longer works. So I had to go use Sleeper API tools to go view his league and view the teams in his league to help him with a trade potential. I would have just screenshot it. 
instead of instead of sleeper just allowing me to look at private leagues and look at rosters i think it's quite rude on their part that's all i'm going to say about i mean ladies and gentlemen these are the people that i have to work with they also don't watch film (laughs) never in my life what are you talking about lilo and stitch has been playing for like 36 hours straight at this household i watch film it's great (laughs) chris how how many football games have you watched fully fully from like uh, first kickoff to start, start finish. finish. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Okay. How many most of the games have you seen? Like maybe three quarters? Um, I would say actually most weeks I've seen at least one, if not two to three games a week where I'm seeing. I'm, okay. I'm doing better this year than I have in past years. I am actually seeing some games. Um, That's good. Okay. You're not just looking at the Stealing Signals episode every week and Ben Gretsch's sub stack and being like, oh, this guy's leading in high value touches. That's my waiver pick. I mean, I can watch all this stuff and I'll still do that. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of getting analytical, I want to bring in an article that was, I believe it was posted by Liz. Uh, Is that right, Chris? Pelt it is, yeah. Pelt, pelt. Pell Pel posted this article in our Discord. It was written by Sam Hoppin of 4 for 4, uh, talking about how long we should hold rookie-wide receivers, and he gave us a few different thresholds um, at weeks 4 and week 8. We're obviously past week 4 now, so we sort of looked at these thresholds and you know categorized each rookie-wide receiver and want to see where they're all landing, mm-hmm. right? I, I thought this was a great article. He categorizes these things based off of various stats that, you know, he found that impacts a player's ability. And his his specific uh, criteria was a beating a 9% uh, best ball win rate. Um, and, and he specifically points out that as the season goes on, rookie wide receiver scoring tends to go up. But how do we know which ones to keep holding, Right. Right, so as they kind of, they it is almost working like a sieve, where it's kind of like you know filtering out the right people that you want to hold on to, and it allows you to make that hard decision to get rid of the guys that are not working out, and that frees up some space for, you know, high value high value touch running backs. Yeah, Damian Damian Williams, you you go pick him up last week because you know you realize that one of these guys just isn't going to work out for a redraft this week or this year because of this sort of filter. Now you have a guy that's far more valuable, of course. Yep. Um, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about this article, Chris? What were your sort of um? Thoughts? So I I thought there were a couple interesting things that were looked at and weren't looked at. Um, uh, I think that so to kind of go over the stats that are looked at. Uh, it's a race car or RACR or however, however. I like race car because it just sounds fast and fun. <laughs> and the receiver air yards conversion rate. Um, and so that one's interesting to me because that tends to work a little bit towards um, low dot receivers. But um, it actually is a pretty high indicator of, of success in this model. Um, that one struck, that was really interesting to me. Um, and there's some that, are, that seem very obvious in retrospect aren't like receiving yards a game, right? Like, Hey, look, they're actually putting yeah. up points, right? Those are those are kind of things. So it's kind of a, a good mix of things that are very obvious and seem to make sense and things that you wouldn't necessarily look at. And the initial well, the initial just yards per game, that's a pretty low bar yeah. too. Like just the right out the gate. What is it, thirty five yards? Thirty five, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's funny. I, I thought it was very funny that RACR was in contention here as one of the more important stats as well, because receiving air conversion ratio is basically a glorified catch rate um, <laughs> in, in many ways. As you pointed out, in, in low A dot, you know, wide receivers, they're, they're going to have better catch rates and, you know, their their sort of ratio is going to be really great. But when you sort of account for guys, say, like Chase Claypool last year, who was just getting these sort of long plays and things like that, it's like, well, those are harder you know, passes to catch. Um, so I, I don't know how he ended up showing up in that, you know, RACR last year. But I do find that that was interesting that they found that that was, you know, a strong relationship uh, in terms of hitting a good win rate. But I will point out, so let, let, let's go ahead and go over what we found, you know, sort of categorizing here. Um, 
I'm not going to go over every single thing, but I will say that the two wide receivers stood out the most. As, like, these are the wide receivers you want to keep holding. And I'm going to say, one of them, we just looked, is only rostered in 65% of sleeper leagues and about 50% of Yahoo 53%. leagues. 53%, yeah. And those two wide receivers, one of them's a little obvious. Yes, Jamar Chase, he's, you know, crazy awesome. But the other one's Rondell Moore. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. That was a fascinating one. And, um, and... This is one where I'm interested to see how the model handles it because, like his his conversion ratio is off the charts because he just has these super low A dot receptions and he doesn't have you know much that he is given to start with with air yards and then he just does incredible things because he's just an impressive football player. So uh, to that point, there are a couple of notable catches where his A dot is actually quite big. Uh, where he has bailed, he bailed out Kyler in a number of situations, but he does seem like he does line up in the slot a bit. Um, he does seem to like line up in a variety of places. A um, couple of things notable. I, I, I watched a, I watched a bunch of um, plays on him right before we started this. Some, so the, and this is why I love this is because the reason why, or at least the reason why I see that he is making those conversions happen, this dude breaks everybody's freaking ankles, man. Like this guy, this guy's jump cuts, his um, uh, his balance, his um, he, he's elusive. He's super elusive, makes people miss constantly. And I don't know if there's a metric out there or some sort of acronym that <laughs> that's if that's a broken thing or not. tackles, missed tackles, things like that. Yeah, but it's it's just crazy because he's he, he's like a little bit of a smaller guy, right? He's very quick and he's he's got jets too. It's it's just he's a full package and you know you never know with the draft capital going in there, but um I think the other half of it is is that he's on a, a um you know high passing attack offense and he's going to be given those types of opportunities but this is the first time i've actually sat down and actually watched some film on him holy holy moly i was super impressed with this guy like i wish i'd seen this sooner i i thought one of the most interesting things to me about rondell specifically was that every single time he gets on the field he is utilizing that opportunity really well his snap rates are not that encouraging actually like you look at his snap rates he's getting fourth on the team in snap rates but every single time he's on the field he's getting utilized and using the most of those situations right and that's not an efficiency thing that's when he's on the field i think i would call that demanding targets or they're just using him in certain packages or they've designed packages around him. But I don't necessarily think that's true because, as you said, he's sort of been that safety blanket and sort of been the guy that's been making plays happen. Um, so I, I've been really impressed and I, I'm really excited about what I've seen. And I definitely think this is an actionable thing. Chris always tells me, he says, you know, say actionable things. Talk about things that are actionable. And this is an actionable thing, considering we just pointed out his roster rate is not that high. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you can go out and get him uh, before he blows up anymore, probably now is the good time. Uh, I was going to say, as a safety blanket, he's a good safety blanket underneath. And there are, he seems to have a good football sense about him already. He sensed when Kyler Murray was in trouble and he ran back to come and give him a hand. He was wide open. Um, you know, defenses aren't respecting him. Um, so that also gives them, it gives him an opportunity to get more yardage. I mean, AJ green D or Nuck is, you know, pulling most of the bigger defenders away. And then you've got him underneath and he can, he seems very dynamic. I mean, he could be the wide receiver league winner this year, possibly. I don't know. The, the great thing about, and, and the positive spin, if you want to say it, to having a low snap rate and having like a 4% air yard share in that offense is that it's, it can go up. Like there's room for it, right? Like, you know, that's what you always want to target. If you have a situation where people are, are converting well, but aren't actually getting lots of opportunities, but they're earning them, 
well, this is what happens when you earn them. You, you can get more out of it. And that's, that's where the growth can come from for sure. Yeah, that, that's a really great point, actually. Uh, the other two wide receivers that sort of popped in this model, not as well as Chase and Moore, but still popped in and led to higher win rates, were Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, obviously, we sort of talked about this, uh, about those low dot targets. He's been dominating in those, right? He's getting a ton of low dot work. I think he set like the, the record or something for most targets with the least amount of yards or something like that. Some ridiculous thing <laughs> like that. Like, yeah, it, it was it was so funny. It, it cracked me up. So so they're designing plays around Jalen Waddle. It, it just doesn't. I don't know if that's an issue with that offense as a whole. I think a lot of film people are really looking at that offense as a whole and really concerned about what's going on there. Obviously, they they have a really weird you know double coordinator situation, and now Tua's out with you know on IR. I, I don't understand what's totally going on there. And, you know, you have that story come out a few weeks ago where they were like, well, Brian Flores actually wanted Herbert instead of Tua, but the GM wanted Tua. And anytime things like that come out, my, my only thought is, is that this was a story put out by Brian Flores to make himself look better <laughs> in what's occurring. And, and there's probably some truth to that, right? Like, you know, the, all the anything in the NFL is strategically leaked or, or you know, the sources saying yeah something like this to make them look good or make someone else look bad it, it's a disgusting game of politics but that that team is, is a total dumpster fire and, and i'm saying that as someone who is really heavily invested into tua and really excited about what i he could do this year and i'm definitely a little concerned going forward um one thing to uh sam mentioned kind of at the end there too and even more of a fringe guy rookie he he talked about Nico Collins right there at the end, um, and as someone who is showing a lot of promise and may not have popped on this model, but he particularly pointed that out, saying like, "Hey, you know, there's a lot of room for growth there. The competition is Brandon Cooks, um, and you know, unfortunately, you're going to have the lack of Tyrod, but." Um, you know, it, if if he's if he's the one that created this model and is pointing this guy out, like, hey, you know, going forward, it's a, probably a pretty decent dart throw. And much to what Chris said earlier, you know, he only has one place to go. Yeah, the thing with Nico Collins is unfortunate. Is you kind of see the start of what he was doing before his injury, um, and and there's definitely potential there. Like he, I think. He was injured fairly early in his second game. I don't remember what time he was injured at that point, but he already he had put 32 yards up in the second game already at that point. Um, has a really nice race car, which I'm going to insist with call that and not something else. <laughs> um, like the, the model actually kind of likes him, except for the fact he just doesn't have the receiving yards, and he just hasn't had a chance to. Like that, That's definitely a name where, like, that could where the model could fail. Like, no model's 100%, right? But I totally agree that Nico Collins is kind of, was setting a pace where he could have done that. I, yeah, I agree. Some other popular names that popped out to me that did not look great on this model, even guys that I liked going into the season, um, were Diami Brown, Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall, and then some other guys I didn't really like would be like Amon Ross St. Brown and Kadarius Tony. Those guys all show up on this model as very poor producers so far. And that that's going to seem obvious. You're going to be listening to this and you're going to go, well, duh, those guys aren't working. They're on my team. They're on my bench and they're completely failing. But the point is, is looking forward, right? These guys have not hit the thresholds we would hope quality producing rookies to hit by this point and that's kind of concerning like we, we do we act on these things for example as a guy who really likes elijah moore going into the season i'm a little worried about how he's produced and you might say well that offense is just you know not really looking that great but then jameson crowder comes in last week and suddenly immediately starts producing gets like nine targets and a touchdown and it's like yeah, I really wish that was Elijah Moore instead of Jameson Crowder. And the fact that it's Jameson Crowder kind of scares me. <laughs> Jameson Crowder is a, you know, he, he's good. He knows the system. Um, he's been there for a minute, right? Uh, but I agree. Well, it's with a you. new system, right? Well, he's been, with the, he's been with the Jets for a minute, right? 
Oh yeah, I guess I guess that's a good point. Robert Sala mm-hmm. and and Lafleur are new there, though. I don't know, man. I I see that awful green. I'm just like, yeah, you've been with the same awful green the whole time. Whatever. Oh, one thing to add on. Oh, so, sorry, keep going. So boots, uh, is it time to drop Elijah Moore? Uh, it, it, it probably just. Or, it probably just depends on on what's on your waivers, right? Like, am I going to drop Elijah Moore for Rondell? Absolutely, right? Like, that's what this model would suggest to me, and I, I would do that um, without really hesitating much about it. Um, it really depends. I, I'm one of those. I'm a zero RB guy, right? So I don't even hardly look at wide receivers on the waivers that much. I'm looking at running backs on the waivers most yeah. of the time. Um, so I, I have, you know, I, I'm a big fan of like Sean Siegel and stuff who would say you should have six wide receivers who are in the top 15, right? So I'm hardly ever looking at guys like Elijah Moore. But so, so okay, yeah, let me I give you probably I'll, consider. I'll add one extra consider. data point in that in this model, in this, in this sieve, this decision tree, right? Um, the only thing that Elijah Moore passed on really was the air yard share in the market. He had a 25% air yard share with the Jets. He didn't pass on receiving yards per game. He didn't pass. He was his his race car is honestly like closer to what my race car would probably be. I mean, point two eight to give a number. I mean, mine would be negative. Let's be clear. But uh, um, they they were they're not they're not great numbers. And the one number that's great now has Jamison Crowder back, which is going to make it look worse. And so, if we're considering like running back flyers, like anything going on in waivers or like maybe a hot wide receiver that is starting to get targets in the place. I'd be more interested in that than Elijah Moore right now, which is sad because he looks really, he looked really good coming in. Like just not working this stuff. Yeah. He, he popped on all my yeah. dynasty. He had every dynasty thing yeah. I care about. And so it's I, also yeah, the it Jets. Um, it's <laughs> also the Jets. And I was going to throw out a stat there that uh, Zach Wilson is 24th in catchable pass rate which is not great. And I don't even need to tell you that you can watch the jets and know that Zach Wilson is struggling and that may be his fault, but I think it's more closer to the fact that he is getting pressured Mm -hmm. constantly. He's, he's last in the league right now in pressured completion percentage. And and that's just, he's 31st in clean pocket percentage. I mean, he he is just getting, you know, pelted. So Look what division I, I he's in. I feel bad for him. He's he, he's in a division <laughs> with like three of the top defenses. He's going to play them six times a year. <laughs> that sucks. Those are rough secondaries to play against. Oh yeah. And oh and, and front and and front four or front three, you know, depending. But yeah. I he's right he's he's up against the full package in six times a year. So that that sucks for him. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry because I'm a Bills fan, but you know, I'm kind of <laughs> sorry for fantasy. So if I can name the defensive players and I'm not an IDP guy, that is not a good sign for the opposing Ooh. team. Stephon Gilmore, yeah. J.C. Jackson, yeah. Tre'Davious White, uh-huh. and there's one on the Miami that I can't remember, but he just got paid this off. Xavier Howard, right? Is it Xavier Howard? Might be right. I don't know. But that is not a good crew to have to throw against. Yeah. That is not exciting. Um, I, I wanted to throw in one that I did not like. And l- l- let's make one thing abundantly clear. And no one wants to hear this. But all wide receivers taken after day two don't matter in, in general. Um, but Oman Ross St. Brown specifically doesn't matter. Um, I, <laughs> he did not look good in this filter. Yeah. He's letting, he's letting some off the street guy show him up. Yeah. It's not. I'm also really disappointed in Terrence Marshall right now. Terrence Marshall. Yeah. What, what, what do you think about Terrence Marshall, Chris? I was a big Terrence. I mean, I have, I drafted him in, in uh, Admiral. Um, I, I like him. The, The issue there is, um, he's not getting air yard percentage. He's not getting a share of that offense right now and not getting receiving yards in the game also because of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, um, his actual like race car is good. It's reasonable. Um, and everything else, if, if that area's number was higher, it would probably be fine, but it's just not, it's not there, which is unfortunate. And, and if you look at like, yeah, there's an eight week version of this as well, and he doesn't tick any of the boxes for the eight week, right? It's just not, 
it's probably not a thing this year, which is sad. Yeah. I mean, I was one of those people that was definitely sitting there thinking that there was a chance that Terrace Marshall could lead the Panthers in, in touchdowns, which I don't even, I didn't think was absurd at all. I mean, cause let's be honest, leading the Panthers in touch uh, receiving touchdowns is literally nine touchdowns. Uh, that is until <laughs> DJ Moore, our guy, our, our savior, Chris and I's savior, um, popped off and it's weird the invisible force field that was stopping dj moore from scoring touchdowns in these past few years is gone i i don't know what happened chris can you explain this dude how does this work how how does td positive (laughs) i don't you know you know this is a i mean i'm i'm all for this here i mean i'm huge DJ Moore is just a spectacular person. Like, not that I would consider myself a film guy, as everyone would know. Um, he is just fun to watch. They are putting him all over the field. Um, I don't think the quarterback quality has changed all that much, and that it, it's looking like Sam Darnold can be a quarterback, which is exciting, right? I mean, he's not he's not the worst, which is what I think a lot of people thought one or two years ago. I mean, he's not he's not a world beater, but he's he's definitely leading their offense to what looks to be wins, like actual wins, which is great. Um, and and Have you considered that he is a Konami code uh, quarterback? Are we going to talk about, like, running, uh, rushing touchdown regression? Is this, like, <laughs> this is the reversion? This is the Ryan Tannehill comeback, right, where Tannehill moves oh, to Tennessee God. and, like, oh. I'm going to rush for a touchdown every game. This is fun. Um, <laughs> and then he turns into hey, a Ryan- pumpkin the next season. Make no mistake, Ryan Tannehill did qualify, and he probably still does, as a Konami Code quarterback. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he does. Um, I'm not entirely sure, but getting five rushing attempts a game, I, I think, does qualify. I don't remember the exact criteria, but... Um, Listen, Chris, you're killing my dreams. I don't understand why we're only. Why do you want to use a? Why don't you want to use a small four game sample instead of the previous three years? Like, what do the three years matter? I want to use four games. <laughs> uh, this is like this is this well, is us talking like every single day. I'm glad every the world gets to hear this conversation because this is basically our DMs every single day. <laughs> Are you tired of playing fantasy football the safe way? Do you play but feel the other 11 players in your league aren't talking about you enough? When you get a new hobby, do you feel the need to explain it to every single person in your life and make it a part of your personality? Then a zero RB draft strategy may be for you. With zero RB, your teammates will be flocking to your DMs asking things like, do you want to trade for a running back? And Are you okay? Is this a cry for help? Zero RB is the perfect way to shift the focus of winning fantasy football to instead get everyone talking about your draft. Ask your doctor if Zero RB is right for you. After, of course, you explained it to them when they didn't ask. Why don't we put a pin in the wide receivers? And this is my topic I want to talk about this time. I wanted to check in on the ambiguous running back theory and for those of you who don't know the ambiguous running back theory this is a jj decoration thing that he brought forth on i believe the 15 transaction and then he brought it into the late round podcast where he basically was looking at how can you predict the usage of a running back um in in a situation where you have two running backs that are like going into mid rounds or something like that right they're very they're like close in adp and the market hadn't really decided on who they think is going to you know come out on top and so basically what it came down to uh, when applied to previous years models is that the the higher ADP, as long as they're like within what I forget what the range was exactly, but I want to say it was it's 50 picks or so. Yeah. I want to say, okay, um, that the one that had the higher ADP is the one that came out on top, right? So the market was correctly, more or less correctly predicting what RB was going to come out on top. And so we have a couple of good use cases here, we have a couple of uh, good examples. Uh, one of them was the Bills, uh, running backs, 
right? So Zach, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Uh, the other ones were the Tampa Bay running backs, right? Uh, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. And then the last ones were the Denver running backs, right? Javonta Williams and uh, um, Melvin, Gordon. Melvin Gordon. And I guess, okay, I'm sorry, the, uh, the Arizona's running back situation james connor and, and chase edmonds so boots let can you take us, take us through how we're looking so far at week four yeah um so i i i was looking at the stats you know preparing for this episode and i actually think i realized that chase edmonds might be the number one running back trade target right now in my mind the amount of high value touches he's getting is, is bonkers and his full ppr points per game rank right now is 10 he is ranked 10th in full ppr points per game right now he was being drafted as uh, running back 25 i don't really believe that you know thresholds of beating adp is that important generally but i am very excited to see that he's top 12 in points per game right now in full ppr uh running backs that's exciting to me um javante He's sitting at, he was drafted at uh, RB27 in full PPR points per game. He's 45. Um, Ronald Jones drafted RB31, currently sitting at full PPR rank 68. Yikes. Um, Zach Moss, zero RB hero, uh, being was being drafted at RB36 and comes in at full PPR rank, uh, points per game rank 15. So, what are your guys' thoughts on those? Um, I'll just I'll just clear the the elephant in the room part. Um, I kind of had a feeling that Zach Moss was going to become. They were kind of forcing him into it, and I mean, you guys know that I pay attention to that offense and defense more than anything else. Um, and I kind of had a feeling that this is where it was going to go. Uh, Sean McDermott is like dead set on having Zach Moss be a thing. I think that they saw that they're like, well, we put the draft capital in him. We've been waiting through the injuries. This guy is going to be our guy. And despite the fumbles, despite some of the growing pains and whatnot, they're just, he's going to be the guy. Um, and you don't see Josh really taking those high value targets high i'm sorry high value touches quite as much like josh isn't running it in as much as he was years prior right they're using they're actually using running backs now so i think that's part of it and the other part is that zach moss has he has okay hands right so and whenever there's whenever there's red zone times he's the one that's in it's not Devin Singletary if Devin Singletary gets a touchdown it's because he ran for 35 yards first yeah um one stat I use uh and and this is straight from stealing signals uh the guys over there at Rotoviz and you know Ben Gretsch and Sean Siegel one stat that I use is uh trap percentage right these are trivial rushing attempt percentage is what it means and these are basically guys that are getting rushing attempts in areas of the field we just don't care about. They're not valuable, right? And it's funny that you mentioned that Devin Singletary's only getting usage when he's getting those random, you know, uh, you know, middle of the field touches because sixty or seventy-eight percent of Devin Singletary's usage is trap usage. Yeah. Usage that just doesn't really add that much value to fantasy production. Right. Um, I will say looking at, you know, the guys that have hit, we're looking at, you know, Zach Moss and Chase Edmonds. They are demanding the majority of their team's high value touches, right? Over 70% of their team's high value touches. That's awesome. Yeah. That's exactly what you want to see. If you were into those guys, they're paying off. What, what, how are you interpreting? Well, I mean, the thing to point out with Chase Edmonds is not, not just a share. He is number four in the league at high-value touches, right? It is Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, Chase Edmonds. That is the list, right? That is just incredible, right? Like, for where where he was going in drafts, like, he just is getting targeted. He's getting green zone touches. Like, it's it's fun to watch, too, right? You just love that part, right? You're just getting everything that matters. Um, <clears throat> I tend to look at team shares of high-value targets, more and and by that I mean grouped, as in I want to see offenses that have lots of high value touches as opposed to shares, 
And what that means is that, um, especially as someone else who tends to draft wide receiver heavy, zero RB, hero RB, um, I'm tending to target running backs on those teams over, I mean, I'm talking about running back three even, as opposed to like the second option in like, I don't know, like, I mean, Cincinnati's been, I think, middle of the pack. Oh, no, Cincinnati's low. So, like, that's one of those things that you're not as interested in Cincinnati's backups, even though, like, there's going to be an opportunity for one of them now, but probably not two, and there's not that many high-value touches. But, like, you look at the Lions, you look at the Panthers. You, I mean, the Panthers have McCaffrey, so that's part of it, too. Um, you look at the Falcons, the, even, like, the Titans and the Colts. Like, those are teams that have tons of high-value touches for the running backs, and so you become more interested in their auxiliary pieces because there's so much opportunity to have there well it's funny that you say that because i i'm I'm right there with you i mean detroit was one place that i was you know hammering constantly in the offseason that this was a team full of coaches that love to use running backs right and they love to use running backs specifically in the passing game Mm -hmm. which is a high value touch that is it's totally broken in fantasy that that is an you know a, a target behind the line of scrimmage is magically sometimes worth one entire point um and the, a guy like you know uh, james white's gonna get you know seven of those and suddenly that's worth more than a touchdown but in places like detroit that team is leading in team high value touches at 38 and we're looking at that and going hey look both of these running backs are valuable right I, I still contend that someone like James Conner is still valuable because that team is still, they, they do have a lot of high value touches to have. And, you know, sort of the thesis of the play of James Conner going into the season, and I hate that I just said thesis of the play because that's a Pete Overzet, uh joke that he always does, um, <laughs> is that uh, Kenyon Drake last year was like top five in red zone touches. And I figure James Conner is going to come in and do that. And you go look, and he has a ton of goal line touches and red zone touches, or or stealing signals would call them green zone touches, right? And so that's what makes these guys valuable is touches in areas of the field where they can generate points either through passes or through touchdowns, right? Yeah. What, what's your interpretation here? Uh so um, I think that the we're a bunch of nerds and need to close the spreadsheets. Well, <laughs> no, actually, I th- I think really what it what it comes down to is you know I went through the example with Buffalo's uh, situation right, and I saw it based on what I was watching, and then you can come in and say, oh, here's you know there's a, there's a couple of metrics here, and we both came to the same conclusion through different ways and i think that being able to do that it doesn't matter which way you do it just your way is a little bit more efficient um is 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 going to ultimately you know give you information on how to make decisions for your fantasy football needs Um, with that being said i am a big fan of jamal williams and i am pleasantly surprised i know that he's not even really part of the uh, ambiguous RB thing. Uh, but usually when you're talking about, you were talking about Detroit and you're, most people are like, oh, it's Swift, right? Well, uh, Jamal, Mil- Jamal Williams ended up, be- he, he, well, he got a lot of targets in week one. It's a little bit dropping off, but, um, enjoy seeing that too. I think he, I'm hoping that we'll see more of him in the, uh, the, the, well, I guess your green zone. Um, yeah. but, I kind of am almost wondering, like, did is that an ambiguous RB situation that we missed? Um, so no, I, I think there was more than fifty picks of ADP between yeah. them. I, I don't think that they qualified as ambiguous running backs, uh, sort of in, in sort of JJZ's model. I, I just applied sort of my own research into. The coaches. I was trying to, you know, I, I obviously thought going into the year that I thought that DeAndre Swift was an Alvin Kamara-esque style of receiving back. Yeah. Going into the league, he was that, right? He hit the thresholds that I care about for receiving backs. And then 
when the new coaches came in, I go and look and I go, hey, look, you have Dan Campbell who comes from the Saints. The Saints have led over the past 10 years in running back scoring and and I believe targets as well, running back targets. Then you go and you go look at the offensive coordinator and Anthony Lynn. Exact same thing. High value touches and scoring for running backs. Then you go look, and I, I went even deeper. I looked at the running back coach. I went one step further, and you go see he worked for the Eagles for 10 years who were top 10 in running back scoring as well. These were guys that wanted to use running backs, and they know how to do it. So I, it wasn't an ambiguous running back theory thing for me picking up Jamal Williams. It was more a sort of football thing you know my, my own sort of analysis and, and we look at that now and we go wow deandre swift has just as many high value touches as christian mccaffrey and obviously christian mccaffrey's missed time but that's awesome because he was going three weeks earlier or, or th- three rounds earlier sorry um I was getting made fun of. I'm going to throw this out there really fast. I was getting made fun of because I was excited about Kenyon Drake getting six targets. I don't know who was around for this. I think Chris was there. He saw me getting made fun of because I was like, guys, Kenyon Drake got six targets like three weeks in a row. This is awesome. I'm so excited. And people were like, Boots gets more excited about Kenyon Drake getting six targets than he does Derrick Henry getting 200 yards and 36 touches. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it now and I'm like, hey, I'm just saying Kenyon Drake is top like he's like top 15 in re- uh, high value touches. All I'm going to say. It's all it's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I like that you get excited about it because that's you're talking about value there. Like we you the draft capital of Derrick Henry is a known quantity, right? You you are giving your first round pick to get that. That is what you're giving your first round pick for. You took a flyer out on Kenyon Drake. That's the yeah. difference, and that's why, and that that's the league winning mentality right there is getting that value. Um, okay, hey, so uh, boots, I want to play the game again. Well, this is this this is awkward, right? This is very awkward because I went into today and I was like, oh, I got a perfect stat to play the game with Iken. He's going to love this. It, it, it's such a valuable stat. There's so much you can do with it. And I went ahead and chose the stat high value touches. <laughs> and then we got in here and I thought I realized about halfway through this that that's all we were going to end up talking about because it's also not only my favorite topic right now, it's Chris's favorite topic right now. <laughs> um, but we can still talk about this, right? Um, I mentioned earlier that like Chase Edmonds was, you know, really high up there in high value touches and one of potentially my favorite trade targets. Um, so we can still play this. You know what a high value touch is now, obviously, because we've just been talking about it. But they are green zone touches plus receptions, of course. Green zone touches being touches occurring within the ten yard line, not a red zone touch. That's twenty yards. Green zone, 10 yards. Got it? So those are valuable. So I'm going to, since since we sort of ruined it, um, I'm going to throw out... Um, how should, how, do you, how should we play this? Do you have any ideas, Chris? Are you looking at players? I mean, so let's, let's just go into... Let's go with teams. Let's go with teams. Go with teams. I, I would like to say one thing about high-value touches. I just love it as a stat for a couple of reasons. One, it's very straightforward. I am not a fan of stats that are overly complex. I mean, I use a lot of them, but, like, the great thing about high-value touches is that it's a stat that's very straightforward, right? So um, it's a stat that you can almost almost look at a box score and tell what it is, but you can definitely look at play-by-play and, and very quickly tell how many high value touches a person has. It's very straightforward and it's covering the two things that you really care about, touchdowns and receptions, right? And so from like an actual like, hey, this stat matters and like this stat is really easy to tell, like that part of of high value touches is great. Um, From the game part, because I do love a good game, um, do we want to go like top five, bottom five on like team touches or like... Yeah, let's let's go with that. That's that's a good idea. So... So... So we'll, we're we're gonna ask you, Iken. Okay. Because I've I've teams... not lo- I've not looked at any lists. I've not looked at 
any documentation on this at all. Well, you should know a few of these. I'm just going to throw that out there. You should know a few of these because we've been talking about them. But guess, try and name, we'll call it a win if you can name three of the top five teams in high-value touches. Oh... Okay, I'll call it a win if you can name three. Is that yeah, fair? Yeah, I, I think we should, if there's time, we okay. should do the bottom five too because I think the bottom five is okay. is That's actually the bottom five is actually more fascinating than top. I, I, they're both very fascinating. I think the bottom five is honestly surprising in a way. Okay. Okay. So go ahead. First top five. First guess is Arizona. Uh, no, actually, believe it or not. And that seems unfair to you because I just hyped up Arizona. But no, they are currently sitting at 23 team high, uh, running back high value touches. Oh, uh, we're talking, minimum- oh, we're talking about running back high value Correct. touches. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me. Yeah. So high value touches is a stat for, for running backs. And, and that's why, that's why we talk about with running backs. It's, it's see, we did need we to, did talk, need to about talk about it. Though. Yes, it is. It's a, it's definitely a running back statistic and um yeah yes. there we have air yards and all those fun things and market share for for wide receivers we have to give the running back something right <laughs> yeah <laughs> weighted opportunity there we go there's another one <laughs> okay uh 49ers believe it or not no get up denver <laughs> Oh my god. No. Buffalo. Jesus. No. No. I give up. I give you up. You give up? Okay, I'll tell you who they are. Alright. Detroit. What? Yeah. Tons just, of catches and their scoring <laughs> touchdowns to the yeah. uh, Tons. Well I guess Swift because yeah. it, it I did see it. It did it did it did it, it was evenly split I saw between the two and I actually just went and looked. It's going all to Swift yeah. now. Uh, Carolina, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes Obviously. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Atlanta, that one also. Oh, makes that's sense. Patterson. Yep. Yeah, it and that's funny because it, it, it's mostly split actually in terms of percentage of team high value touches because Mike Davis is getting a lot of those, but they're just both getting doing great with I, the work they they're you know getting mostly CPAT Chris. Thanks for starting him against me this week. I you got it. That. <laughs> Um. <laughs> it makes sense now. So I just saw a chart from I think it was Sam Hoppin also, and it was a it was a chart comparing um, what they do in the red zone, and I saw that um, Matt Ryan's throwing a lot towards the, towards the red zone, and not so much having them try to rush it in. And I was thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, that's like they're you know that's definitely like Pitts and and Ridley and everything. No, it's Patterson. It, the the problem is is that that's a cheat code because he's got two <laughs> designations. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, next, Indianapolis, the Colts. Oh, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. Your guy, Naheem Hunt. Also, and, uh, and Wentz sucks. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Uh, and then finally, the Tampa Bay. Well. No, no one's paying off more right now than Leonard Fournette, I'll tell you that. Yeah. All right, so let, let me see if I can guess the bottom ones then. Okay, okay. So this is bottom in team high-value touches. The Jets. Uh, I don't actually think so. No, I, I think I think the Jets are, are actually utilizing their running backs a little bit in the passing game, which is kind of inflating that, to be honest. I have the Jets at seven team high-value touches. Ball. Does that sound Yeah, nice? I'm, I think I'm, I'm looking at maybe a different chart, but I have them above the top five all the same. Mine might be out of date. Yes. Baltimore. Mine is. Mine's weird. I, I have questions. Baltimore is last. Mine on mine. actually. So. Yes. Baltimore is last on yours, not last on mine. Um, this is strange. I think my sheet's a little messed up. Finally here. vindicated. We'll go off yours. All right. We'll so I have. I'll, I'll. I'll read the list. I'm looking off off a graph, so I, I don't have full numbers. I'll just get the order of the bottom five from the bottom up. Um. So I have it as the Ravens and last, then San Francisco, um, which is super mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Um, the Seahawks, which again they don't really use the yep. like Carson out of the passing game that much. Um, the Chiefs, same same concept. I mean, one of those things when you have players like and, and the Seahawks and the Chiefs are a good example. When the the Seahawks have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and the Chiefs have. Uh, Terry Hill 
and Travis Kelsey. You do not need to do much with the running backs when you have those four players that are really, really good in in the <laughs> in in the green zone, right? Um, and lastly, um, on my on my on the bottom five, so the fifth from the bottom is Cincinnati. Um, and so while Joe Mixon is is just having tons and tons and tons and tons of rushes, they're not that valuable of rushes. And so that's what the kind of concerning thing is there. Granted, that whole offense now has a has a very different uh, running game situation going into next week. So uh, who knows what's going to happen? Pick up Chris Evans. <laughs> Absolutely. Pick up nobody. It sounds like. <laughs> no, I, I I know. I listen. You heard it here first. I'm planting my flag in Chris Evans. <laughs> Just like I planted my flag in Jacques Patrick two, two weeks ago. <laughs> I, I literally picked up Jacques Patrick in a league that were, where I had basically a free bench spot. I don't remember who I dropped. Probably Le'Veon Bell or something for like me. that. Just because you mentioned him. Well, so to be fair, 90% of my leagues are dynasty leagues or keeper leagues. I'm in yeah. exactly one redraft league. Yeah. Well, let, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up here. Um, Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I know everybody loves when you sort of come out of admin talk and secrets, and you come talk to the rest of us as normal people. Uh, you know, but uh, is, is there anything you want to you know say before you go? You want to bring? Um, up? I, I'm. I think I'm really excited for the cup coming up in a couple of weeks in, in our league. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for having me on as always. Um, thanks for t- stopping the chat before we got to Dynasty because we know my uh, my background in that. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, having a great time as always. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming uh, on, Chris. I can, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Trash Dad. That's D-R Trash Dad. Or my website, trash.farm. And uh, you can find me uh, at Boots, Boots Fantasy on Twitter. That's Boots with a Z. Um, and uh, usually hanging out in uh, Chris's Discord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have a good That's one, fun. everybody. Yep. See ya.